Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We want to talk this morning on what will judgment be like? What will judgment be like? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. God, we uh, thank you for this uh, time together as the body of Christ. And Father, I just pray that we'll leave this place encouraged. I pray that we'll leave this place strengthened today. I pray that we'll leave this place prepared, God, uh, to, uh, to stand before you one day, God. This is a preparation time, and Lord, I just pray that we would uh, be prepared, God, for that day uh, that we're all going to uh, make some soon, some, some later. But God, one thing is for certain, we're all going to stand before you, God. Uh, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so, Lord, help us to be prepared. Help us to uh, make a decision on this side of eternity. God, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. We could either do it now or we can do it later, God. Uh, but Father, I, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's so much greater if we will willingly do it on this side of eternity and recognize your Lordship, surrender our lives to you and receive you as our Lord and Savior. So God, uh, speak to hearts today, transform lives, God. I pray, God, that whatever's uh, been, uh, God, bothering uh, people this week, God, that they'll let that go. Whatever, uh, God, is uh, heavy on their hearts and on their minds, that for the next few moments, God, that they'll uh, cast their cares on you for you care for them, God. I pray, God, that they'll open their hearts up to receive the Word of God. They're not receiving it from me, God. I'm just, uh, I'm just a man. I'm just a vessel. But the Word of God is your Word. And, and Father, uh, so, uh, God, we would be wise to, uh, to open our hearts up and hear what the Spirit is wanting to say to us today, God. Let it change our lives, God. And so, Lord, we just pray for people online. We pray for people here in this room, God, that our hearts would be changed, that, we, we, that we, would, we would respond to the message, God, and we would be changed by the message today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. I want to start out, what will judgment be like? Let's start out with three passages of Scripture that I want to look at. Let's go to the first one, and I want to look at these. Hebrews 9.27, and it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Look at the next one. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul writes here in verse uh, 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring the, to light the hidden things of darkness. And then look at the next one. Uh, and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Look at the next one. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear or stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. We all will know more about judgment five minutes after we die than we did right now. We're all going to know more about what we speculate a lot of times. In a few minutes after death, we're going to know really what it's all about. We could speculate all day long, but, we could, but we're going we're gonna to know. The speculation on this side is going to be given way to sight on that side. And we're going to know exactly what it means to stand before a righteous judge and before uh, Jesus Christ in all of His glory and stand before Him as King of kings and Lord of lords and, and as our Savior, but also as our 
judge, like standing in a court trial in a, in a, in a, before a, a, a judge uh, on the bench. And we're not told what, uh, what uh, all that we would like to know of this event, but we are told what we need to know from Scripture, and that, uh, that's for sure. And this subject, I can't think of a more important subject that we need to look into today than uh, a subject on the judgment seat of God. I mean, if, if, if we're all going to stand before God at some point, and I, I can think of nothing more important that we should teach about or understand about today, uh, and, and sadly, because sadly, here's what we do. We tend to uh, uh, forget about death, don't we? But if you turn on your news today, uh, you'll find out Matthew Perry uh, didn't forget about death. You say, who was that? I, I just bring him up because he's an American movie star and he happened to have drowned last night and he's dead. And he's 54 years old, the same age as my wife. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Right? Right? Uh, Matthew Perry knows more now about judgment uh, than, than he did uh, yesterday, right? And I say that, and I pray his soul was right with God uh, because, because it, it's a serious thing to, 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 to uh, fall into the hands of God, right? Uh, uh, it's a sobering moment, and, and, and we, we tend to forget that we're all going to die one day. It's appointed unto man wants to die. And people don't like to talk about death. It's the big elephant in the room. When you begin to talk about death, in fact, we don't even want to deal with death anymore. We don't even want to have funerals anymore. We treat our family members worse than our pets now and I'm sorry pet owners I'm not trying to defend to offend you I love pets as well as anybody but they are lower than human beings and now we we we, we won't even we won't even bury our loved ones we won't even say any words over them at a funeral to give them any dignity and honor to human, to human, the sanctity of human life anymore. We forget, and when you begin to talk about it, everybody clears a room because we wanna, we never want to talk about difficult or hard subjects. But here's the fact: all it is appointed unto man once to die. And I got news that in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of death around us, right? And that's the elephant in the room. But the first message in the New Testament by a man named John the Baptist was this. He said in Matthew 3, he became preaching and he's speaking to the Jews and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he cries out, who has warned you to flee from the wrath of God? Who has warned you? Who's warned you, Matthew Perry? Who's warned you, uh, Faith? Who's warned you, Wayne, to flee from the wrath of God that is coming on this world? That's the first message that we come into the New Testament, warning us to flee from the wrath that is about to come because eternity lasts a long time. A long time. A very long time. Forever and forever. Our minds can't even wrap around it. And that's why we don't even like to think about it. We get aggravated in a, in a church service with that, where a preacher preaches an hour. Right? That ain't nothing compared to eternity. It's a long, 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 long time. And we're not only going to die, but the Bible says, secondly, that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
We're not just going to die, go into the ground, and, be, and, and that be it, and forgotten. No consciousness. But the Bible tells us that we are going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, we're going to stand before Him. Your Creator. The one who created you, the one who designed you, the one who, who, who breathed breath into your life. And you're going to have a trial before the righteous judge of all the earth. A trial before God. That's what it's going to be like. Some of you have stood before the bench in a court of law here and now with a robe, a guy in a robe there. But I can tell you something. It's going to be far worse and far different to stand before the judge of all the earth in whom there is no sin and he sits in an approachable light, unapproachable light. And in him there's no darkness. But I'm going to tell you this. Unlike a judge here that might can be bribed or there that might can be bribed. This judge is fair. He is fair. You're going to get a fair trial. You're going to get a fair trial, that's for sure. Because he is the righteous judge. And he's not into politics. And he's not appointed by a politician. He can't be bribed. He is your creator. He knows everything about you as if you were the only person that ever lived. He knows everything about you as if you were the only person who ever lived. And listen, you will. Here's a lot of us say this. Man, when I get there, I can't wait to tell. I can't wait to see God. I hope I get a meeting with God and can ask Him a few things. Guess what? Good news. You're getting that meeting. You're getting a personal appointment with God. By yourself. You will have that meeting, but I guarantee you, it's not going to be like you think it should be like. You will have God's personal attention. You will have your day in court, the Bible tells us. And there's three things I want us to look at about this and about this day. Number one, I want us to look at two promised days that are coming. What are the two promised days, or what are the two promised days that we have? Number two, what are the two promised disclosures? In other words, what's going to be revealed in that day? And number three, what are the two promised destinies? What are the two promised days that we have? What are the two promised disclosures? What's going to be disclosed here in the final days? And what are the two promised destinies we have? So let's look at the first one. What are the two promised days? Number one is your death, and number two is the day of judgment. I just told you. Death and the day of judgment. As for your death, Hebrews 9.27 is a verse that we can all agree with. Look at what it says. And just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. We, why, why do people die? Why do we die? Why, why are we faced with this horrible, horrible thing called death? Why is it? Well, Romans 6.3 tells us this. It tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. What is, what is Genesis 2.17 tells us? It tells us this. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, what? You shall surely die. So why did death come? Sin. Quit blaming God for the atrocities that go on in our world. It's us standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but me, oh Lord. I did this. 
I caused this. We all caused this. And, and, and we die because of sin. And death is going to happen to us all. And it will come on a certain day. And God knows what day that will be. He knew yesterday that a movie star in America would go home. He knew a couple of weeks ago that a horrible war would start with terrorists coming in and capturing all types of uh, Jewish people and slaughtering them in, in villages and in places. He knew that other people would be, a war would break out and both sides would begin to lose people left and right. He knew these things. He knew uh, the day that you were born and He had a specific time and place where you were going to come into the world, where you were going to be, and He also knows the specific date and time and when you're going to exit this world. Amen? You'll die on a certain day. And death is when your mortal body ceases to live. It's when your heart stops beating. It's when it flatlines and you get this. It's when the intravenous fluids stop dripping. Right? It's when the heart stops pounding. It's when the eyes stop seeing. And some people are blessed with a sudden death. Some, some are, are, are and, and wouldn't we all love to have a sudden death? Wouldn't we all love to, I, what do I hear it all the time? I just, I hope I go to sleep and never wake up. Right? Isn't that what we hope for? And some people get that luxury, but others do not get that luxury. Sometimes, uh, Billy Graham was one time asked, do you fear death? And he said, no, but then he was honest with the person. He says, I fear dying. Because we don't know what that's going to be like or how that's going to come. And, and so we may face it in pain or we may face it without pain. But the moment that you pass into the realm of eternity, then nothing will be more real than eternity. I got it, Nothing will be more real than when you pass over into the other. You think this is real, but I'm telling you what. When you open your eyes into eternity, you will be directly in the presence of God. And it will never be as real in that moment as it is. Uh, you, you will, you, it, will be, it will be unbelievable when your senses wake up in the presence of God. And once you enter into death, you will find it's not the end. I got news for you. All the people who want to believe in evolution and all this food. I got news for them. The moment they close their eyes and they open them again, they're going to find out there's a lot more to life than what they thought it was. And they're going to find out that is not the end. And so uh, uh, your family can be at your bedside. They can be there with you. But, uh, but when you enter past that point, you're going alone. You're going to be all alone. It's something we're going to face that will die alone. Following the day of your death, the next day or two or whenever, you're, or, or immediately you're going to wake up in the presence of God and then the, soon the judgment seat is coming, right? You're going to stand on the day of judgment. And it is, it is in kindness that God tells us this. You think, I'm, you think I don't want to hear a message like this. It is in kindness that I'm delivering this message to you. It is in kindness that God gives you this to say ahead of time, this is coming, so flee from it. That's the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. Don't wait. 
fix the eternity now. Get it settled into your heart. So His kindness lets you know what is coming. And the day of judgment will be on a certain day. And God knows what day that will be. The Old Testament prophets warned of that day that was to come. They called it the day of the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 31 says there will be a day. Jesus said in the, after the Sermon in the Mount. He said this. On that day people will say to me. Why? To Jesus. Because He is the righteous judge. He is the one who does the judging. And they will say to, uh, to me on that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done many good works in your names? In other words, they will depend on their accomplishments, but I'm telling you what, the judgment will reveal the truth about them and about their works and about every, their motives and about everything else. It will lay bare their heart and you will see the great surgeon, the one who has fire in his eyes and, and, and a sword coming out of his mouth, will be able to see right through the thoughts and intents and separate the bone and the mirror and divide everything and to lay us, I mean, naked before the Lord, right? Absolutely exposed. Nowhere to hide. Nowhere to run. I saw heaven and earth flee away. And I saw a great white throne. And there was nowhere to go, right? The judge... Judgment will reveal truth about everything. Matthew 24, 44 says, On such a day as you think not. Look what it says. Uh, maybe I didn't put it. On such a day as you think not, the Lord will come. Revelation 1, 7 says, Behold, He comes with the cloud. This, uh, this same Jesus whom you see go away, He will come again just as you have seen Him go. And every eye will see Him. And then what does it say? And they will wail before Him. They will wail. Look at what it says. Behold, He's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, amen. Have you ever heard? No, have you ever heard wailing? No, have you heard the news come that your husband didn't make it? Have you heard the news come that your baby died? Have you heard the news come that your son, ma'am, this is the United States Army, and we're afraid to let you know there was an accident. And a whale. Ah! And you can hear it. You can feel it. And he says on this day. On this last day. The day of the Lord. When all of a sudden. There is going to come forth a whale. Do you know why whales come forth? A whale comes forth when there is no more hope. All hope is gone. And that's what's going to take place when Jesus finally returns and finally comes back on that last day. There is going to come. They're going to realize this is the one we... The, the, the earth is going to realize it's over. This is it. That preacher down in Brookside who was screaming and yelling, who we made fun of, who we, who we made fun of about preaching so long, whose face got red because he was yelling, saying, please repent, please come 
come to God, on that day they're going to recognize and realize it's over, party over, lights out, and guess what? There is going to be a well. A well. No, Jesus! One more altar call! Please, one more church service. One more fanatical nut screaming in the altar. Please. And the earth will wail. Hear me, internet. You'll wail if you don't receive Christ. When He finally appears on that day and it's over, it's over, He's coming back, we'll hear a wail. And the reason is because there is no more hope. The day has come. The day of judgment. The ark door is shut. And the day of grace is over. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel people thinking, oh, yeah, right. I don't believe that. You're going to believe it. Every eye shall see him, and also those which pierced him. All the kindreds, all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. It's over. It's over. It's a, this is why I want you to come to Brookside Beans. Tell them about Jesus. Hand them a cup of water. Can you not turn the TV off? Can you not get out of that thing that seems so important that you're doing called sleep or whatever it is and get up and tell somebody, don't flee the wrath to come. That will be the verdict of His judgment for those who rejected the knowledge of God and preferred to live according to their whims. There were two days promised. Your death and your judgment. Number two. Let me move on. Two promised disclosures. A disclosure is making something known. It's the action of making new or secret information known. There is nothing hid that will not be revealed according to Luke 8 and 17. It's all coming out. It's all coming out. Come on. It's all coming out. Everything into the open. Nothing hid that will not be revealed. It's all going to come out. The truth is going to come out. Matthew 12, 36. This is a verse I wish was not in the Bible. Jesus said that you will give an account for every idle word on the day of judgment. You will give an account for Every idle word. You. We need to be a little more careful. With what we post. And how we talk about our brothers and sisters. And the preacher. And the, and the music man. And, the, and each other. It's all coming out. Every idle word. And I hope you're not standing next to me to be able to hear mine I really do I hope you're not standing there with me and Jesus when he discloses every idle word that I've ever said 
Because I will be embarrassed. I will be shamed. I will. I do not want everybody else to hear that. Jesus said on that day, you will be judged by my word. It's, it's the day of truth revealed. It's the day of, of vindication. Vindication of the truth of the Bible. This word, will the people that have made fun of this and were wondering, why will he not vindicate himself? Why will he not vindicate us? Why will he not vindicate this book? This is the day. Vindication has come. Truth will be revealed on this day. And it will be vindicated. And God loves His Word. He loves His Word so much. Listen to what Psalms 138.2 says. The name, uh, it, it tells us this in Psalms 138.2. It says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your Word. I think one translation says you've exalted your word above your name. His name refers to his power and reputation, but his word refers to his integrity and his honor. And he will vindicate his word. He, he, he will vindicate himself. You've asked the question, why does God allow evil? Right? Come on, we've all asked that question. Habakkuk wanted to know that question. And he wanted to know. And God, he said, I don't understand why you who are so, so pure and who can't even look upon sin, so to say, why is it that you allow evil? And, and, and God said, I'll tell you what, Habakkuk, I want you to go over to the watchtower because I have something I want to share with you about this. And Habakkuk's getting all excited. He's thinking, man, I'm finally going to know why he's allowed evil and why vindication is coming, man. Truth, the revelation of truth is coming right here. And here's what he said. Oh, good. I, I'm going to find out the reason God allows evil but 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 God does something like kick the can down the road and it can make Habakkuk real mad but he doesn't he receives God's answer and look what he says God says the vision waits for an appointed time and he said it will come though it delays it will come and then he says but the just will live by faith he says the just will live by faith. God will one day vindicate His word and those who are willing to wait for it will be the ones that enjoy the judgment beyond words to express. We will understand. We will wait and all truth will be revealed and everything will be vindicated on that day. But sorry Habakkuk, but the vision of the truth of why I allow this is for an appointed time and though it tarry, wait for it because it will Come at the book at the beginning of the book, Habakkuk, like us, is upset. Why are you allowing this? Why are you not doing anything? Why are you not vindicating? Why won't you tell me why you do this? And all of a sudden, by the end, he is at a place where he has said, I receive your answer. It's coming. I can tarry and I can wait because it's for an appointed day, and on that day of judgment, and on that time, you will reveal it. But until then, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna believe you and I'm gonna walk with you that you have the best answer and I and he, and he comes down to this point and he says though the fig tree doesn't blossom and even if there is no fruit on the vine even though there might be no cattle in the stall I will rejoice 
He says, even though I see all this happening around me, all this evil, all these things encroaching, and even though, God, you've kind of kicked it down the road and said all this is going to be vindicated, all this is going to make sense at a certain time, I'm going to trust you right now. I'm going to trust your word, and it's going to come to pass one day. And so right now, even though the crops are failing, even though war outside my door, even though people are passing away and dying, I will rejoice in you, my God. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. That's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. You're willing to trust His Word, and they are not. You're willing to take Him at His Word. You're willing to trust Him. It's like God saying to Abraham at 80 years old. He's a wealthy man, and He says, Man, I've got all this wealth, God, but who am I going to leave it to? Do I leave it to my servant? Is that he's discouraged, and he's at a place. That, Do you want me to leave it with Eleazar? And, and, and God said, No, I want you to go outside, and I want you to look up into the heavens, and I want you to count the stars, and as many stars as you begin to count, that's going to be your children and your descendants. That's going Going to be your seed. And the Bible said, could do say that Abraham did like he could have not taken him at his word, and he could have could have done like the people and said, That's stupid. You kicked the can down the road. But the Bible said he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The just shall live by faith. Amen. And they're given righteousness in the sight of God. And the judgment will vindicate his truth one day. His truth will be vindicated. And, and it's going to be in such a way that the most brilliant physicists will, will, will hear and say, Oh, why didn't I think of that? It's going to blow our minds how wise and how incredible this God is. Can you imagine the joy of all of us on the side of truth that believed His Word and all of a sudden we're vindicated by, we were vindicated by God's Word in, in advance and now on that day we're truly vindicated. I mean it's going to be, imagine the joy. We're waiting for God to vindicate Himself in the end because we have vindicated it now but the day will come when every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We knew in advance it would happen. The just shall live by faith. But then we're going to be standing there and it's going to be in sight. Truth revealed. Vindication done. The word is alive. It was true. It was. Every jot and tittle was. Well we believe that now. But it's going to be fully disclosed. It's going to all come out. It's going to all come out at the judgment. At the judgment, the truth about God will come out. I can tell you that Jesus, who is the eternal Son and the Word made flesh, it will all come out according to Paul. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, the truth will come out. Paul had been criticized by his own converts. He had made converts, and then they got a bunch of people to gather around in the city of Corinth to come out and judge Paul and to, get, and, and to rile things up about Paul. And Paul's response was, I don't judge myself. He said, I'll wait till the time comes when God will bring everything to light. God will vindicate me. God will bring it all to light. And I'll be okay. So go ahead and take your shots. Go ahead and persecute me. Go ahead and slander me. Go ahead and do all you want to do. There's coming a day and I put my trust in that day. Sometimes God vindicates us in this world. 
And sometimes for many and most, it's going to come in the next world. Jesus was vindicated, the Bible says, by the Spirit. He was vindicated internally. Listen to what it says. Jesus, uh, that he was vindicated by the Spirit in 1 Timothy 3.16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Vindicated by the Spirit. What does that mean? It means first Jesus himself. How did he get this vindication? Because he looked to the Father and trusted the Father for his vindication. It didn't matter what the world said. It didn't matter what Pilate presented. It didn't matter what Caiaphas. It didn't matter what Annas. It didn't matter what any kind of judgment they brought down. Uh, it, it, they, they, it didn't matter the smiting. It didn't matter the, the blasphemy. It didn't matter the ridicule or, or the false accusations because his, inver- his, his vindication was internal that he pleased God. We don't, when we have slandering from each other, when we have slandering from the wicked one and the condemner, we can sit there and have vindicated by the Spirit inside. Take all the shots you want. I know I was a liar. I know I was a thief. I know I was a fornicator. But I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And I heard the voice of the Father say, This is my son Brad, in whom I'm well pleased. Right? Vindicated by the Spirit. But maybe not vindicated here in this world. And Paul says, I'll leave it to that day. I'll leave it to that day when God will vindicate everything. It'll all come out and it'll be done right. And even, look, look, Jesus didn't vindicate himself. Then he entrusted it to the Father. But you know what I would have done if I'd have been Jesus? I know y'all are a lot more holy than me. I would have come out of the grave, Daniel. And rather than going to Mary Magdalene, I think I would have knocked on Pilate's door. Or Herod's door. Hey. It's me. I'm back. I told you. He didn't do that. He didn't ever go to any of them. He didn't vindicate himself. He entrusted it to his father. He was vindicated by the Spirit. So he went to Mary Magdalene. He went to a few disciples. He never vindicated himself because he knows on the day of judgment, all truth will be vindicated. God will be vindicated. You and I as believers will be vindicated. Wait for it. Though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. But until that time, the just shall live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. The day will come and until then God will wait. This is what the day of judgment is all about. One day the truth is going to come out. One day Paul said, I finished the course and I've kept the faith. If you can come to that place that you're willing to be vindicated, if you come to that place that you are willing not to be vindicated for everything, that's what we need to do. Let the world think what they want to think because judgment means the day of vindication. I need to say that again because we all were are so like babies. I mean, I'm the biggest crybaby. We all want to vindicate. Oh, they thought bad of me. Oh, I got to go out and tell everybody and prove that I'm not that bad of a person. No, you don't. Listen, it does not matter. Let it slander. Let them say mistruths. Let them talk about you, your family, whatever. But put it into a day. Let the world think what they want to think. You're a Bible thumper. You're a holy roller. You're weird. Gabe called my whole family weird. He said, growing up, we were the weirdest people he thought in the world. 
I didn't have to vindicate myself to Gabe. God will vindicate it one day. Deuteronomy 32, 35, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Their feet shall slide in due time. Anybody recognize that? Oh, you do from 16, whatever. Jonathan Edwards started his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And this was the opening line. This was the passage. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Their feet shall slide in due time into hell. And the Spirit of God vindicated kind of in the world that day. It was kind of a different thing. And men, grown men, were outside hanging onto trees, hoping their feet did not slide into hell. They were grabbing onto tree branches. They were moaning and wailing and, and, and crying out because the Spirit of God came into that place so real and made that Scripture so alive like I wish He would, would do in our meetings sometimes in my own life and, and ours. It became so real, the tangible presence of God. And Edwards preached that and I mean, from that place in Connecticut. And it was unbelievable what went on there. It went through New England. It went across the Atlantic coast. And it helped be the high water mark of the Great Awakening. And it was all there in Enfield, Connecticut. But here's what a lot of us don't know. He preached that same sermon two weeks later in his own church in Northampton, Massachusetts. And what do you think happened? Nothing. God did it once to give people a taste of what it's like, and that was it. That was it. So the day of your death and the day of judgment, the day of disclosure, is a day of everything being revealed. Idle words or sin, everything disclosed, truth disclosed, vindication from God. When it talks about judgment, 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says this is what will take place. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God. Oh, I thought it really didn't matter if you knew God or not. Or the right God. I thought God was only a God of love. When he takes vengeance, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who, what? Don't know God. And on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord. The gospel, the gospel says He is exclusively the way, the truth, and the life. So you can't get there through Muhammad. You can't get there through Buddha. You can't get there through Allah. You can't get there through Confucius. You can't get there through pop psychology. You can't get there any other way but through the door. And His name is Jesus. When the Lord is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not God know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal, eternal destruction forever. Not purgatory. 
Not a few years and we're done. Not I get out for good behavior. Not I got parole coming up in five. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. There are those who believe in a a false doctrine called annihilation. They take the word to destruction to mean to annihilate and cease to be. But the problem is the same Greek word that is used there for destruction is the same Greek word that is used in the alabaster perfume that was poured upon Jesus that meant it was broken and it just ran all over the place. But it did not cease to be. What they were saying is, why did the disciples, why did you let this alabaster go all to waste? Why did you let this perfume go all the way? It didn't disappear and it didn't cease. But why did you spend your whole lifetime and just let your life go to waste? Why didn't you serve the Lord? We can live a whole lifetime of waste. Will all of our past be revealed before the Lord? Well, there's two views on that. One says, yes, everybody will know everything because people like Jacob and David had their past revealed in the Word of God. And if their lives were exposed, our lives ought to be exposed. But then there's another view that I choose to believe if you're a believer... And that is that the blood of Jesus washes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And our transgressions are removed from us. And our sins are buried in God's sea of forgetfulness. And like Corey Tim Boom says, we don't go out there and fish again and pull them up. They're buried. But, but, But on that day, God is in control. And the pure justice of God will be shown for the first time. In this world, we can have judges, as I said at the beginning, they can be bribed. We have robbers that are not caught. We have people who get away with murder. We have politicians that are not found out. And this is why Jesus Christ calls the righteous, it's called the righteous judge. And for the first time, truth will be revealed. It will be revealed on that day. And I can tell you, the question is, are you ready for that day? That's why I'm preaching this message, so that you will be ready for that day. Are you ready for the day of judgment? If your day comes tomorrow, like Matthew Perry's came yesterday, are you ready to die and stand before the judgment? And how does that make you feel that one day you're going to stand before the judgment? That you'll stand alone and Pastor Brad won't be there. And your wife won't be there, sir, to give you all the Bible answers. You'll stand there alone and you'll have that day and you'll get to talk to him. And it's the scariest day of your life and that's why people will well. So I come finally to the two promised destinies. And that ought to be pretty easy for us. It's either heaven or hell. Matthew 25, 46 makes it clear. Heaven or hell. And these will go in away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. And you may ask how... Could a judge that is really righteous and pure let people go to hell forever? 
Genesis 9, and here's what I would say to get into your spirit is what Abraham got into your, his spirit because one day Abraham came to God and he was concerned about the judgment that was going to come on Sodom and Gomorrah and he was worried about them not having a warning and he came down to the conclusion, shall not the judge of the earth do right? And I think that's what we leave it with. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? This judge is going to do right. We can leave judgment in his hands. We don't have to try to explain it or have it all figured out. We can know that He will do right. I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says. And God will one day vindicate us for all beliefs uh, that the world laughed at us about. One day He'll vindicate us. One day it's all going to come out. And so the question is, can you know in advance how your case will be tried? And the answer that you, I like is you can have your case settled out of court today. The Bible says in several places, you can have boldness on the day of judgment. You can have confidence on the day of judgment. You can stand with confidence. You can stand with boldness. You don't have to cower. You don't have to be afraid. And so the last closing question I leave you with is, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And this is how somebody I love says it all the time that preaches. If you were to stand before God, and you will, If he were to ask you, and he might, why should I let you into my heaven, then what would you say? And by the way, as I said, you will stand alone and nobody will coach you in what to say. What would you say? What would you say? Why should I let you into heaven? If your mind didn't quickly think of the cross, then I'm worried for you. If it didn't quickly go to his death, burial, and resurrection, then I'm worried for you. Jesus died. And I'm trying to give you preparation for what is coming. One day we're going to stand before the judge of all the earth. And he wants you to be ready. So Father, in the name of Jesus... Lord, God, will we stand there on that day with boldness and confidence saying, I know the answer to that question. I'm allowed in there. Oh, like the story of the thief on the cross and comes to the gate. Did you... Did you understand theology? No. Did you, did you understand imputed righteousness? What that means? Can you explain it? No. Can you explain righteousness by faith? Can you explain justification by faith? No, no, no. Then why should I let you in here? Because the man that was hanging in the middle of the cross there said I could come. And oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. It's only because you have invited us into your life and into your death and into your burial and into your resurrection. And Lord, you have paid the price for mankind. Not only did you did you 
die uh, a life, Lord, but you, you, you lived a perfect life. You, you fulfilled the law. And God, you took care of everything on behalf of man. And Lord, all who come to you, all who receive the Son, all who reject the Son are condemned. And I fear for them when they stand before the judgment day one day, God. But, but uh, there'll, there'll be words like, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, Lord, didn't we do that? Lord, Lord, didn't you see me take that old lady across the road? Lord, I gave to the church. I know it didn't go all the time, but I gave my tithe down there. Lord, I did this. Lord, I did that. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, but God, there is a group. There is a group, God, who recognized you, who received you, who, who, who acknowledged their sin and confessed their sin before you. They believed in their heart that you were who you said you were. Right now on this side of the faith, even before it's all vindicated, by faith they believed that you were God and that you left the throne of heaven, that you clothed yourself in majesty. You took off those majestic robes and you put on this flesh like we have, God. You became a man, fully God and fully man, and you lived a perfect life, God, for 33 years. And then, Lord, the sin of the world was placed upon you. And an innocent man died for the guilty. And you paid our sin debt in full. And Lord, you went into the grave. But just like you prophesied, just like you told them, that grave is not going to hold me down. And God, that's what I was saying. I'd be going to the third day on that door and knocking on Pilate. I told you I'd rise on three days. But God, you didn't do that because you were vindicated by the Father in your spirit. And you knew judgment day is coming when the whole world will see it. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. But God, there's some tear today and maybe, just maybe, just maybe, God, they want to have their court case dismissed here and now. And so, Father, Lord, if there's somebody you're moving on their heart now, God, it's as simple as them confessing their sin before you, confessing that we are sinners in need of a God that can free us from our sin. Receiving you into our lives and being forgiven. You come with your robe of righteousness. You cover us. And God, you, 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 you come and live inside of us. And the Father sees us through the Son as righteous and pure. Not the part or the half has been nailed, but the whole. It's nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. And so, Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place today, God, if there's one person here today and you say, I don't know if I stood before God today, if that would have been me, and the newspapers would have said, I died today, would I be prepared to stand before the judge of all the earth And be right. And so, Father, if there's one here that wants to plead their case out of court and settle the fine here with Jesus Christ, Lord, if that's one, would they, Lord, we just want them to raise their hand right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand and you say, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I want to plead my case. I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand. Yes, that's three people. I see your hand. I want to make sure that on that day, I, my, my, my court case is settled here so that I don't have to do it there. Hallelujah. Stand all over this house and let's pray.
Pray this prayer out loud with me, all those and especially those who raised your hand. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash away all the filth. And come, Lord Jesus, with your righteousness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Save me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Write paid in full on my file. Be my lawyer. My advocate. In Jesus' name. Amen.